Christmas miracle will take place. And some of you guys are like, yeah, we'll see about that. So uh, we'll, we'll see if we'll see if we can pull that Christmas miracle off. But uh, it's going to be great because uh, I realize, listen, I've been a pretty boring, long, drawn-out Christmas Eve person in my lifetime. Because uh, I was, I, I remember it when I was two and a half or three and a half. I was just a jerk because they gave me every Christmas gift they had. And I literally sat there, like, waiting, waiting to go home in and, and, and anticipation of the big day. And uh, some of you guys, I mean, how many of you open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve? Anybody? So, like, like we want to get you home to, to be able to do all that. Um, we don't, we do it the real way on Christmas morning, like, getting up, waiting in anticipation. Um, how many of you have some This week, we're talking about not just a word, but a name. But not just any name. The name above every other name. The name of Jesus. The word Jesus, a lot of people in Jesus' day would not have called him Jesus, but they would have called him Yeshua. Yeshua or Jesus means the Lord saves. So Hebrew people in the day would know 
when they heard the name Jesus, they would know that it means the Lord saves. Kind of a hefty title to live up to. But the truth be told, the name Jesus, actually, when I said the word that we would be observing today, some of you went, oh, maybe I shouldn't have come. Because the name Jesus is offensive to so many people. In fact, someone can get up at an awards ceremony, they can thank God for the award that they've been given, but when they thank their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they can say, hey, that's not a good name. Why is it that the name Jesus is so offensive? Why is it that we can say the name God as a generalization, but we can't say the name Jesus as a specific title? Why is it that people are offended by the name Jesus? I've got two reasons real quick that I believe people are often offended by the name Jesus. Number one is the scriptures say that it would be so. The scriptures actually say that people would be offended by Jesus and who he was and who he is. Last week I talked as I talked about the word Bahama, we looked at a scripture found in 2 Peter, and we said that Jesus will either be a stepping stone to get you to God, or he will be a stumbling block to keep you from God. You get to be the one to choose if he's going to be a stepping stone to get you to God, or a stumbling stone to keep you from God. Number one, the scriptures say, that people would be offended by him. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it says, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. He, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. By the way, you can follow along with all of today's notes in the, in the YouVersion Bible app. You can find them, on, find it on the screen behind me um, if you're wondering how to find that app. Um, it's available in the iTunes store or in the Google Play store. It's wherever you get your, your apps. And then go into that, into the event section. We put all of our, our notes so that you can follow along real easily um, during our talk. We, we want to make it as easy as possible. We know that it's already uncomfortable to be here. So we want to make it as comfortable and easy as possible. There are no surprises today. No surprises. I'm going to talk about Jesus for about 35. Maybe the surprise is how long I'll talk about Jesus. <laughs> In the Old Testament book of Isaiah 53, it says that we, we rejected him. In, in the New Testament book of John 15, 18, it says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus has always been offensive. Why do we oftentimes, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big politics guy or anything like that, but, and, I'm, and I'm not a big war on Christmas guy either. I, if you want to celebrate the happy holidays, that's fine. Celebrate the happy holidays. I'm going to celebrate Christmas because my Savior was born that day. That's the day we celebrate him being born. But why is it such a, such a big deal? Why, 
why is that such a big deal that we want to remove Jesus from everything? The second reason why I believe that people are often offended by Jesus is because he is the measure of our success or our failure. He's the measure of our success or our failure. You see, Jesus is perfection. And if we are striving to live the perfect life, he has to be the ruler of measure of our life. So oftentimes we look to him and we're offended by him because he's so perfect. It's kind of like when Tim Tebow was in the NFL or when he was in college. I hated Tim Tebow in college. He just seemed so perfect. Squeaky clean and perfect for all you sports fans who can It's like the co-worker at work. Now we're going to get personal. It's like the student in your class, the teacher's pet. The person that's perfect, that nobody likes because they're perfect. That's who Jesus was. Except those people seem to be perfect and Jesus really was. Because Jesus is perfect. Is the only one that we have to strive to measure up to. He's the picture of what we're trying to be like. But yet, we live in a world that wants to have an open mind and wants to, and, and, and somebody that says he is the only way, we're like, well, maybe not. But Jesus said he was the only way the truth, and the life, and no one can get to God except through him. And if any of you want to get to God this morning, I want you to know that the only way it can be done is through the name of Jesus Christ. Because he was born a king that would die as a king, that would raise to life as a king, so that he could be the king of your life, so that he could be the king of our hearts. And that's ultimately what he wants. something out of this? I hope, I hope, I hope you're ready. There's, I'm, like this week, this week I, I literally geeked out over this message. Like my wife was like, when did I marry such a nerd? Like I was, I was talking about the genealogy of Jesus all week because I believe that it, it points to Jesus as, as king. And I'm going to, I'm going to share that with you in just a moment in hoping that it helps you answer this question. Because every single person that ever lived in the world has got to answer this question. Who do I think Jesus is? Who do I believe that Jesus is? And now some of you may already have your ideas and your minds made up of who Jesus is and who Jesus was. And that's okay. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that a 
a 20-minute, 30-minute talk will convince you otherwise of what you've already heard about Jesus for all the years of your life. I hope so because I believe the Holy Spirit has the power to change that. And so we're going to look at some things this morning that I hope could show you who Jesus really was. I hope to show you that he's king. If I had a big idea for today, it would be this. An accurate view of Jesus, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. An accurate view of Jesus is important because he must be the ruler of our lives. As well as the ruler of measurement in our lives. Jesus must be the ruler of our lives and the ruler of measurement for our lives. I have to ask myself, every day I get up, I have to look to Jesus so I can see, am I measuring up to who he is? That's my mission in life. My goal in life. Do I measure up to who Jesus is? But every single one of us have to ask ourselves the question, who do I think Jesus is? And if we're going to answer that question, I think it helps if we look at some of the truths. Some will say some of the claims that Jesus made. So I want to make it really simple. I don't want to get real, real lost in all the claims that Jesus made, because he made a lot of them. But I want to look at the claim that Jesus made that he was the king of the Jews. Because if he was the king of the Jews, then he would be not just the king of the Jews, because the Bible says, and we're going to look at this, that every nation would look to him. So therefore, if he's the king of the Jews, then he's the king of all kings, the king of which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the king, that he is the Lord. So I want to look at the claim that Jesus is king. In Matthew chapter 22, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw the star as it wise men that Tanya talked about in week two of our series, as they arrived to Herod looking for the king of the Jews, they looked to him and they, they, they said to Herod, where is the king of the Jews? From, the, from day one, people knew that he would be the king of the Jews. I can't think of a better time of year than to examine is Jesus really the king than Christmas time? In the Bible, the way someone primarily became king was it was hereditary. It was it was passed down. Especially after King Solomon. King Solomon was David's son. We're gonna we're gonna get there in a moment. King Solomon was David's son. He became king after David. And then everyone that was king of Judah after that was a son of Solomon. That's really important. But 
was Jesus the king of the Jews? And the answer to that question, I believe, is found in his family, Joseph and Mary. Because for someone in order to be king, it had to be hereditary. Now, I'm going to talk about Joseph and Mary, and I'm going to say some things that maybe you didn't know about them. First, we're going to look at Joseph. Joseph was the father of Jesus, the earthly father of Jesus, because God was his heavenly father. Mary was a virgin. God, through the Holy Spirit, impregnated Mary, and she became pregnant. Now, a lot of people have a hard time with that, and I understand that. It doesn't make any sense. Hopefully today it, it will make sense why it had to happen that way. Scientifically and things like that, you're going to have to figure some of that stuff out. You're going to have, and, and where you figure that out is in trusting God that that's the way it had to be done, and so that's the way it was done. You have to come to a point of trusting God for that. But I'm going to tell you this morning why it had to be that way. Joseph's story is primarily found in the book of Matthew. You can turn there, look at Matthew 1 and Luke 3 if you want, if you have your, your physical Bibles. By the way, I hope that everybody has one of these, not just a cell phone. Mine's backstage, otherwise I'd fold it up. But it's, I hope, I, I like to, I'm, I'm a little old school sometimes. Like there are some things about, like when you look at our service and things like that, you probably think, oh, he's pretty new school. But I'm actually, when it comes to the Word of God, I'm, I'm pretty old school. I like to get out my Bible, and I like to, to write in it. I like to, to, to mark in it so that I can go back to it and see what God has said to me in the past for me. And so Matthew 1 and Luke 3 is where we're at. Matthew chapter 1 is primarily known as the genealogy of Joseph. The genealogy of, or, or the genealogy of Jesus, actually. And it's, it's really interesting that, that Joseph, even though he's not the earthly father of Jesus, not the biological father, if I could use our terms, it's still the genealogy of Jesus. The purpose that Matthew is writing this genealogy for, the reason he is writing it, is to show that Joseph was in line to be the king of Israel. He was, according to the law, according to the, the, the royal bloodline of Judah, he was, he was set up to be the king. He would have been the king. But the question is, why wasn't he? Why wasn't Joseph the king of Judah? If he was in line to be king of Judah, why wasn't he? You see, the children of Israel always struggle to do things, God, do things God's way. Kind of like, does that sound familiar to anybody? Am I the only one with my hand up? It is hard to do things God's way. Look at your neighbor and say it's hard. It's hard. 
had to do things God's way. And for the people of Israel, it wasn't any easier. And so what happens is because they're trying to do things, they want to do things their way and not God's way, they, they ask God to give them a king. You can read about it in 1 Kings. They ask God to give them a king. They say, God, everyone else has a king. We want a king too. And so God gives them this man, man by the name of Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel. Until he disobeyed God. When Saul disobeyed God, he said, Saul, you're no longer going to be king. In fact, I'm going to take the kingship away from your entire family because Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. And so they're going to, I'm going to take it from your, the tribe of Benjamin and I'm going to give it to the tribe of Judah. We're going to talk about the tribe in just a moment just real quick so I can explain where they come from. And I'm going to give it to the tribe of Judah. Here's why he says I'm going to give it to the tribe of Judah. Because in Genesis chapter 49, verse 10, it says this. The scepter, this is, this is the first book of the Bible. The very first book of the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that God has always had a plan. He's always had a plan. He knew who he was giving up. And he knew that he had a plan waiting in the balance, waiting to send his son Jesus to rescue us from our mess. scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs. The coming of the one whom it belongs is Jesus. Look at what it says. The one whom all nations will honor. That's all the way back in Genesis. The tribes of Judah. I'm sorry, the tribes of Israel. Twelve tribes all born from this man, Jacob. We talk about God being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was the man that the tribes were born from. They were his 12 sons. Their names are Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Joseph, who later on splits into two tribes called Ephraim and Manasseh. And Benjamin. Those are the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah was the one that in Genesis chapter 49, God promised the, the scepter, the kingship, will never leave it. Stay with me. I hope, you, I hope you're with me. If you're with me, say I'm with you. All right. So the Jews have always been looking to Judah for the Messiah. They've always looked to Judah for the answer, for God's answer. And so Matthew writes the genealogy of Jesus to point to Joseph being in line to be king. Because if Jesus is going to be king, he had to be in line according to his father, Joseph. However, there was a problem. Remember how I said 
the children of Israel like to do things their own way instead of God's. Because of that, in the book of Jeremiah, we find that God chooses to give a curse to the royal bloodline of Judah. It doesn't make sense. But Genesis says that the tribe of Judah would always reign. But look at uh, Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 23. I I learned this this week, and it just blew my mind. Genesis chapter 28, it says this. It says, why is this man, Jehoiakim, like a discarded broken jar? Now, Jehoiakim was king of Judah. His son was in line to be the next king. Why are he and his children to be exiled to a foreign land? Notice, it mentions his children, but watch. Oh, earth, 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 listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Let the record show that this man, Jehoiakim, was childless. He is a failure. For none of his children will succeed him on the throne of David to rule over Judah. The NIV puts verse 30 like this. Record this man as if childless. A man who will not prosper in his lifetime for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Pastor Adam, why does Genesis say that the king would come from Judah? But here, what happens is God pronounces a curse on the royal bloodline of Judah, all because they wouldn't obey him. All because they chose to do things their way, all the way up, leading up to it. And I don't have time to go through the history of Israel's disobedience. But Israel had a very long history of disobeying God. And therefore, in Jeremiah chapter 22, God pronounces a curse on the royal bloodline of Judah. But where is this king going to come from? Where is this king, where is this Messiah going to come from?
was the father of Jesus. So, Jehoiakim had children. In fact, he had a son that was in line to be king. That's why Shezeel is even mentioned here. It's a point that the, that the line went on, but the reason is because of the Babylonian exile. That's when God puts the curse on Judah and says, the royal bloodline is no more. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be that kid in line to be king? But God said you couldn't. Puts a whole new meaning to because I said so, doesn't it? <laughs> Clean your room. Why? Because I said so. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that sin always has a price tag. Sin always has a price tag. And Judah's disobedience cost him the bloodline. And that's when Mary stepped in. And not just Mary, but that's when God stepped in. The story of Mary is where it gets really interesting. And the reason why she had to be a virgin. Not only is Joseph from the tribe of Judah, ladies and gentlemen, but Mary is also from the tribe of Judah. And we know that because of Luke chapter 3, verse 23. I want to point this out. It says this. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He He was the son, so it was thought. It was thought by people that... Joseph was his biological father, but we know it was God that was the biological father. So so it was thought that he was the son of Joseph, the son of Helene. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, in Joseph's genealogy, verse 16, it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph. So wait a minute. And it, and it goes on to say, the husband of Mary. So wait a minute, who was Joseph's daddy? Was it Jacob in Matthew or was it Heli in Luke? Again, an inconsistency with the word of God. But I would like to point out, ladies and gentlemen, that I also have two fathers. One's name is Bill. He lives in McHenry, Illinois. The other's name is Brett. He's sitting down here. Don't worry, there's not going to be any ammunition for Christmas because... I love my in-laws, all right? And we're going to get back to this in a moment. I'm not going to call my in-laws names. Joseph had a father-in-law named Heli and a dad named Jacob. And that's why in Luke chapter 3, we find the genealogy of Mary, the, the bloodline of Mary, and it goes, it's it's interesting the way it's written, you can go there and read it, I don't have time, but the the bloodline of of in in Matthew starts at the beginning and goes to the, like, closer to the present, or to, like starts way back at, um, at Abraham. However, the genealogy of Mary goes all the way down to Adam, the very first man is 
really, really interesting. But here's what I want to point out. When a king is king and he has multiple children like King David, only one of them is lined to be king. The oldest son is the one that gets the, the throne. The younger son doesn't. You see, David had a son named Solomon, who then, who was a part of the royal bloodline. However, he also had a son named Nathan, who is the seed that, that Mary came out of. And so Mary and Joseph are both from the tribe of Judah. It does make Mary and Joseph distant, distant, distant cousins. had to populate the earth somehow. And why was it important for Mary to be a virgin? To sit on David's throne as the king of Israel, a man had to be both pure biological descent of David and a member of Solomon's royal bloodline. But the problem was that curse. They had to somehow sidestep the curse that was placed on the royal bloodline. When Joseph, when Joseph agreed to be to marry Mary, when he became when he chose to be Mary's husband, how's that? In effect, he adopted Jesus to be his own child. Therefore, Jesus becomes a part of the royal bloodline of Judah. By the adoption of Joseph, he sidestepped the curse that was pronounced all because God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to rescue the bloodline of Judah. I'm going to be the father of this child. And he's going to be a savior, a redeemer, a king above all kings, the name above all names. Having no earthly father, because God was Jesus' father, Jesus was a pure biological son of David through his mother. Thus, Jesus met all the qualifications to become the only man in all the world to be Israel's king once and for all. Something that also made me really intrigued this week was that Jewish people even today believe, most Jewish people, even believe that the Jewish soul is formed within the mother's womb. You see, regardless, if you don't believe that Peli was the, the father of Mary, regardless, you still believe that if Mary was a Jew, then Jesus had to be because the Jewish soul is formed in the womb of a Jewish mother. Mary's bloodline is important, but so is Joseph's. They both had to be a part of the royal bloodline. Why is it so important? 
to Adam that I believe that Jesus came. We're going to leave that to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 to answer that question. Romans 1, 1 through 4 says, This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent to preach the good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is that his son and his earthly life was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead hallelujah by the power of the Holy Spirit he is Jesus Christ our Lord ladies and gentlemen The reason it's important for you to believe that Jesus was the king is because it qualifies him to be the king of your heart. See, I don't think that Jesus is really concerned about the king above every other king. I don't think that he's even so concerned about being the king of the Jews. I think the only thing that he's concerned about favor and stand with me. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Who do you believe Jesus is? That's the question today. I want you to know that loves you, regardless of if you love him or not. He loves you so much that he was sitting in heaven, and he chose to come to this earth to live a life as a man, so that he could die. Sin always has a price tag. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. The gift of God is Jesus Christ. I want you to know this morning that that question, what do I believe about Jesus? If it is anything other than that he is the savior of my soul, then you're lost. But we want to help you be found. We want to help you be found. So as you sit there with your head bowed and your eyes closed and you're asking yourselves all these questions as way of response, number one, I want you to know that In just a moment, we have our prayer team up here at the front that that would love to answer any questions. But more more importantly, they would love to pray with you. And then in the back, we have our next steps 
booth that will help you make that next step. That will help you in identifying what you believe about Jesus. But I want to help you right here, right now. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, Pastor Adam, God has been showing me some things. And I want you to know this morning that I'm ready to admit that Jesus is king. I'm ready to admit that Jesus is king so that I can place him on the throne of my heart. Is there anybody like that at all that would be so bold to just raise your hand in the air, that's it, just simply raise your hand in the air and say, Pastor Adam, I want to put Jesus on the throne of my heart. Thank you, I see those hands. Anybody else? I see those hands. Anybody else? Pastor Adam, I want Jesus to be the king of my soul. If you raise your hands, I want to lead you in a prayer. prayer is simple. It's not the prayer itself that saves you, but the belief in your heart that does. So it, it is so important that you believe this. Say, God, I come to you, and I know that I am a sinner, and there is a price tag that I must pay. But God, I believe that Jesus came to pay that price for me. I accept him into my life to be the king of my soul. Come into my life, save me, make me new. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, we want to celebrate with you today. Come on, come on, give him a hand. Give him a hand. I'll see y'all Tuesday.